Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. everyone and welcome to this episode of We Gotta Talk. It is episode two of season three. I am so, so excited for you to be here. If you've been here since the olden days, back when this was 30-something, or since the past three years since we've rebranded to We Gotta Talk, this remains the place for, as you just heard, real talk on big topics. So we're all about self-improvement and different ways to make ourselves understand our self and our world better. And today's guest is going to give you so much valuable information. Emma Dunwoody is a human design coach. She's the host of the Human Design Podcast, and she's been working in groups and one-on-one with clients over the past seven years to help people understand who and why they are. So I like to think of this as one extra puzzle piece as we try to understand how to work better, how to manage our relationships better, how to manage our mental health better. You know, I'm always for finding new modalities of understanding ourselves in the world around us, and Emma provides such a valuable, um, valuable tool in that toolbox. So let's welcome her to the show all the way from Australia, Byron Bay, home of the Hemsworths, right, Emma? That's it. Absolutely. I just said to you, oh, where are you from? You said, it's just this place in Australia called Byron Bay. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Do you see the Hemsworth brothers? This is the most important and pressing matter we have to begin with. Yes. Like just in the supermarket. In fact, my youngest son was over, literally over the road playing soccer the other day. Um, and he saw the him, uh, his kids, right? Um, and mm-hmm. he's always like, oh, my God, Thor is over the road. <laughs> and, um, and my son, Oscar, is like, hey, your dad, oh, my God, he is the coolest. Like he's just like they're, they're just all saying how much they love him. And um, literally the next minute he comes around the corner comes up to the boys and just high fives them and says, thanks guys. I really appreciate the love. Thanks for for letting me know. And yeah. Yeah. And my husband has the biggest like man crush on him. And he's like, Em, I saw him in Woolies today, which is our supermarket. So yeah, we see them all the time. They seem to be really How do the muscles look in real life, Emma? And then we'll get down to business. We just have to, inquiring minds have to know. You know, that's hilarious that you even asked that because my husband literally commented on his arms and he was like, (laughs) they're not as big as I thought they'd be. Oh my goodness. You know? So yeah, I think they they look great to me. That's right. Says every woman everywhere. Um, Okay. Emma, thank you so much for joining us. You know, we, we had been chatting back and forth before the show and we have explored the concept of human design and how it's practiced and what it's all about before on, we got to talk, but I thought this was important to circle back because out of all the topics um, that we explore here, different ways to discover more about ourselves, or like I said, to interact a little better with our environment, human design was the one, at least for me personally, that gave me the license to just be okay with all the things that I formerly formerly perceived as faults. So I really yeah. want to give people that benefit too, because um, I really find a lot of value in the way that human design sort of explores the world. So can you just tell anybody who's not familiar with what it is, what is human design? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I think the best way to talk about it is, I mean, my background is actually in behavioral coaching and profiling. So we know a lot of things like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram or all these personality tests that help us understand ourselves better. But the big thing is, is that when we, when we do these tests, we're actually using our mind to answer questions. Whereas with human design, um, we don't do that. We use it. It's our energetic blueprint. 
Hmm. So it's kind of like we don't have to think about who we think we are. It's actually giving us a, a blueprint of how our energy actually works. And I love what you said about, um, you know, really starting to understand yourself better because when we get to understand or learn our human design, so often we discover that we've been judging and criticising ourselves for our superpowers instead of, you know, and we're trying to change ourselves, we're doing our personal development thing, but actually we don't need to change ourselves. We just need to understand there's an, another way to express that energy within us. So is it a fixed design, so to speak? A lot of these modalities teach us that we do have this sort of structure that holds us up as we are as a person, but it's malleable and is it changeable? With human design, does it explore ourselves as sort of a fixed energy print or something that can change? Oh, that's a great question. So um, when we look at behavioral personality profiling tools, they're not meant to change, but most of them do, especially if we're people going on, you know, quite significant um, personal development journeys, then quite often they'll change. Like for me with Myers-Briggs, mine changes all the time. Um, but with, with human design, it doesn't change per se. However, What's really beautiful about it is it highlights our shadows and it gives us that opportunity to say, wow, I'm expressing that energy from a fear state, but I can now um, express it from, you know, from a higher state, from a love state or, you know, a higher expression. So although it, it's kind of fixed, there is this opportunity for us to see the journey within it to evolve as a human being. And it's kind of our own personal development map. Instead of going to a guru who has the results that we want, we actually look at our chart and our truth and, and we go on our own journey without having to sort of apply other people's strategies to ourselves. What have you liked best about not only coaching people with human design, but using the concept and the practices on yourself? What are some of the benefits that you found? Yeah, I love that. Um, well, I'm myself, I'm a manifesting generator. So everything's about fast, you know? So one of the big things that, that I noticed straight away, because my own journey um, started, I mean, at 28, being diagnosed with depression and panic disorder. And I had this really long journey of healing my mental health and, and doing all of these sort of things. So one of the primary things is with human design, from the moment you start to learn about it, it's not like you're learning all these new things about yourself. You're actually like, oh my God, that thing inside of me that I always felt, it's true. You know, I can trust it. And so many times it, this itself helps people go through that that personal development journey so much faster because they read these things, they learn these things about themselves and they already know it's true. You know, it's like this huge permission slip just to be themselves. And in a personal development journey, it just makes that opportunity to recondition our mind or our belief systems or to achieve the goals that we want to achieve or to let go of the trauma so much easier because um, it's almost like we can get on this journey, start to learn these things, and because we can feel the truth as well as, you know, kind of mentally, cognitively know the truth, they the change happens so much faster. I think also it's so important to say that because we live in a world where we've all been so heavily conditioned, it can oftentimes be confusing, and I know this was my journey, like what's true? Like what is true? Who am I meant to be? What is my purpose? Um, and I've never been very good at being told what to do. So other people's opinions would kind of bounce off me or irritate me. And, and my journey was very much about trying to discover who I am and why I'm here. Human design gives us the themes and then we bring them to life. So yeah, I think that's why it's so incredibly powerful. 
Yeah. So it's not like, you know, not to compare apples to oranges here, but I'm just using this as an example. So it's not like going to an astrologer or a psychic and um, someone else telling us, well, you're about to experience, um, you know, a, a fruitful moment in your career, or you're about to experience a challenge. And then we begin to sort of think in that direction. So you're, the contrast here is that it's, it's examining ourselves from the inside rather than forces that are happening to us. Am I hearing that correctly? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a great question. And so a part of human design is astrology because um, it's actually ancient wisdoms and modern science all put together. But I love what you just said because it's not about people telling you who you are. And it's actually one of my little, if I'm honest, bugbears because a lot of people in the human design world, they do exactly that. They, they get a chart and they say, well, you are this and you are that. And it's just not true. Mm-hmm. One of my my favorite quotes from um, Ra Uruhu, who's the guy who actually uh, brought human design to the world, he's he talks about how human design is like, uh, for example, uh, someone who's played Romeo in Romeo and Juliet. You know, there's thousands of people all over the world that's, that have played Romeo, but there's not one person that's played Romeo exactly the same way as someone else. And that's what human design is all about. So if you get a really good human design coach or reader, they're not going to tell you who you are according to your chart. They're going to tell you your potential according to your chart. And they're going to, like for me personally, because I'm a coach, I'm always in conversation. I'm always like, well, what do you want to achieve? Or what's, what do you feel, where do you feel stuck? Or um, what are the big questions you're wanting to answer? Because your human design chart's going to help you answer all those questions, but it's specifically for you to bring to life as opposed to some expert trying to tell you mm-hmm. what's in there. Yeah, because that can be... Um you know, dangerous in and of itself, feeling like you need that external validation to, you know, I know when I read, you know, a retrograde is coming up in your sign, I'm like, ah, you know, it's so, I love the, um, you know, the self-actualization component of human design, that the power that it puts in our hands. So let's run through the types and, and we will get to my chart eventually, but I know that there are a lot of people who aren't going to be that or identify with that. So I want to run through some very basic characteristics of all the human design types. And I know this is kind of difficult to do because everyone has a lot of nuance to them, but if you could give us a few defining qualities as well of each of those different human design types. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, Well, let's think of the types as a journey, okay? They're they're kind of a journey and it starts with the manifesto, which you are. Um, And the manifesto is here on the planet to initiate people into action, to inspire. Um, These are the people who start things. They've got the new ideas. They start movements. They inspire other people into action. Um, Oftentimes, these people will um, say something, do something, share something and the other types will have almost no choice but to kind of put that in action. The big thing to understand if you are a manifester, and, and these people are about 10% of the global population, um, you've got to understand that you are here to be absolutely 100% yourself, unapologetically yourself. And a manifester isn't here to be liked by everyone. They're here to, to inspire their people into action. And, yeah? I need to pause you on that. I have, this is like This is like what resonates with me so much. I think I've gone through so much of life feeling people's, I I always say the chafe that I cause sometimes with certain people, like I am not, I don't, I bring something out in people that really irritates them. Not everyone, but I 
really? And I've sensed that as a weakness of mine for a long time. And it must be my energy or must be something I'm saying. So I compensate by being really overly, hey, let's talk and let's be friends. And that wasn't working either. So uh, it's just, it's really revelatory for me. So for the manifestors out there, for anyone who's, you know, who knows your human design type, can we speak to sort of letting go of that element, knowing Mm -hmm. that we aren't here necessarily to like be BFFs with everyone? Can you help us release some of the guilt associated with that, that energy that we sometimes bring? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that manifestors will often do as uh, young kids is become people pleasers for exactly that reason. Um, You guys are super powerful. Like we know when you walk into the room and that's a bit scary, you know, it's a big aura, it takes up space, it's it's leading us, it's inspiring us and and that can be scary to the rest of us. So for manifestors, that's the most important thing you need to know is that you have your people and I often say like, you're either on the train or you're off the train. And that's all the manifesto really needs to know. I know for me, like I love manifestors because these are people that are going to inspire me. And oftentimes they're going to inspire you and initiate you out of your comfort zone, you know. Um, so it's really important for manifestors just you're not for everybody. And it's really important that you're not because there are things that you're here to do to start to initiate, to make sure that people like me, I'm a manifesting generator, and the generators that we are inspired by you. And if you dampen that down, if you, you know, dim that light, then we're kind of like, mm, it's, a, you know, okay, well, I'm not inspired here. But the moment you step in and you understand like, well, I need to be unapologetically myself. You guys are also what we call energetically independent. So you don't need other people. You want people, but you don't need them. And that can be scary because, you know, we live in a society that's so heavily conditioned to need each other. Um, And yeah, we do as human beings, we need that community. It's very important for our, you know, to live, to be in community, but the manifesto, they're very energetically independent. So it's important for you to make sure, uh, and through human design, we talk about strategy and authority and, and for your strategy is to, you have to inform. And this is one of the things that's really challenging for a manifesto to inform. So tell people like, sort of declare the direction of your energy. It's not about asking permission. It's never about asking permission, but it's it's about telling people where you're going, what you're doing, what your intention is. Um, and then they know, am I going to get on this train? Do I want to go? Do I want to go in this direction or do I not want to go in this direction? And that's going to really help you feel so much better about it because it, that will just weed out the not my people um, and then your people can come with you on the on the journey. I love that. Okay, so let's move on to the next type. That was manifester. Tell us in the next one. Yeah, cool. Okay, so then we have um, generators. And generators are here to basically bring everything into the material plane, to manifest, to build. They're here to do the work that they love. So um, in this journey, the manifester inspires them into action. And then they get excited about something. And if you're a generator, that is your North Star, following your excitement, um, you are here to do the work that you love. You're not going to be someone who, like with a manifester or a projector or a reflector, you're not designed to work a nine-to-five job. You're just not. That's that's not your jam. And like with you as being a manifester, um, you're designed to work when you have that creative urge, like, oh, my God, I have to do this. And then when it's not there, you have to play. With a generator, generators are all about doing the work that they love. So they have a lot more energy to be doing, to be working, to be creating, to be building. Um, And their strategy is to respond. So the thing about um, a generator's aura is it's kind of like quite big and attractive and it's constantly drawing things into into them to respond to. 
Um, and the response mechanism is their sacral. And it's like, yes, I've got energy for this. No, I don't. And what that means is that the sacral is literally just guiding you through life um, as the universe brings you things to, to respond to. And what you're looking for is like that, uh-huh, uh-uh or I have energy for this, or I don't have energy for this. The challenge for generators is that oftentimes the moment they get the sacral response, they go into their head, oh, I should do this though, or I shouldn't do that. And this is where you've got to be like, oh, no, 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 I need to just trust my body. And often I'll say with um, generators is, number one, you're already responding because often they're like, how do you do that? You're already doing it. So go to your kitchen cupboard and look in the cupboard. What do you want to eat? That's how simple it is. And you'll, you know, with a generator, you'll be watching them, especially, um, you know, in conversation or something, they'll be the ones nodding along or shaking their head. It's their sacral response, constantly responding to everything. So the key is to make sure that you're lit up about something. If you're not excited or lit up about it, that's not for you. Okay. Your sacral's telling you you don't have energy for it. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much a, a generator. And there's generators are generators and manifesting generators uh, make up just under seventy percent of the global population. So they are the majority of us. Um, the challenge is that for the manifester, the projector, the reflector, um, we are conditioning that work energy. Um, that's conditioning. It's been conditioning the the planet for hundreds of years and the the challenge with that is as we're going through this big change you know everything post-covid is like well what is real what does work look like now um and this is a time where the generators are going to want to still work in a in a more conventional way um but it's time where the non-sacral beings the other types have to start to say okay i'm not designed to work all of these hours so so yeah that's the generator Mm-hmm. Do you want me to move on to the MG? No. Let's do a, one quick question. I'll do one yeah. follow-up on each type. If, if you're a generator and you're, um, say, in a career or a job that you're not feeling lights you up, can you help guide the person to yeah. find work that might fulfill them in some way while also ticking the boxes of, you know, providing, yeah. making sure that they're being responsible to themselves and those they love? Because it can be really challenging, I think, for some people to pursue something they're passionate about if it means letting go of old patterns or other ways. Yeah. yeah, this is a really good question. And one of the things that we understand through the frame of human design is we have a much better understanding of burnout. Um, and the non-sacral beings, the manifestors, projectors, reflectors, when they burn out, they tend to be flat on their back. They know about it. The challenge with, with generators and manifesting generators is we do a thing called functional burnout. So we don't actually realize we're in burnout. We just feel like we have absolutely no passion, no lust for life. Um, we're just in Groundhog Day, we're disconnected from, you know, our vitality. Um, and that's usually a big indicator for a generator type that this isn't the right place for you. Now, the challenge is that generators have been uh, conditioned because they're the ones that can do all the work and, you know, they feel this sense of obligation. Well, I've got the energy, I may as well do it. Um, it's important to start to build boundaries around that and, and notice that, look, this isn't lighting me up anymore and starting to trust that ability that you have inside you to follow the enthusiasm. Often you'll see a, a generator or a manifesting generator, they'll start building a side hustle. And that would be something that I would say if, if that corporate job isn't lighting you up and you're super interested in coaching or something like that, a generator is set to do something like a side hustle. The big piece is boundaries. Um, boundaries are important for everyone, but understanding for a generator that just because you can doesn't mean you should. 
And it's that really important, like, okay, I'm not being lit up about this job and I have to trust that my cycle, you know, is going to have more energy. Um, the other thing with uh, generators and manifesting generators is to make sure that they're moving their physical body because moving their physical body is super, super important for the way that the cycle works. So if you're feeling stuck in any way, go and do some sort of physical activity that lights you up. It doesn't mean go pound yourself at the gym unless you like that. Um, but go and do something physical that lights you up and feels playful and gets that sacral response happening again. Are there any well-known generators that come to mind? Any famous people of that? Oprah. Oh, well, that's well-known. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Oprah's a, um, a, a generator. And, you know, she's a great example of, you know, maybe in the early years she did what she thought she had to do and then later on she's just followed her enthusiasm and that's how powerful a generator is when they follow their sacral. Yeah, when they're in their flow. And I mean, it doesn't get, you don't get a better example than that. Someone who's yeah. literally made a living off of her essence and who she is and what she brings out in other people. Wow. Exactly. That's fantastic. Okay. So with the manifestors, generators, give us the next type. Okay. So the next one is a manifesting generator. And a manifesting generator is um, a hybrid between the manifester and the generator, just as it sounds. Um, we are, the, the, the thing about being an, an MG, I'm a manifesting generator and MG. Um, they're non-linear beings. So this is the thing that kind of set me free. It's like I can remember being at school and we would get to, um, in Australia, we'd get to like year nine and we'd start talking to our career advisor and they'd be like, you need to pick something. And I'd be like, I'd rather poke myself in the eye than tell you I'm going to do one thing for the rest of my life. Like, no. Um, so manifesting generators are this non-linear being and they're, they're people who will tend to jump from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and they often criticize themselves heavily for being quitters because they're like I can't stick at anything I don't do anything but the truth is that they're actually they learn faster they achieve things quicker they tend to be a lot messier because they're kind of designed to make lots of mistakes and then find the shortcuts um, and for me this has been a real you know a game changer so understanding that if you're an MG you probably don't stick to something for too long I did I had a, an advertising career before I got into this and um, every two years I'd just get itchy feet. I'd just be like, oh, God, I just I don't want to do this anymore. I'm bored. And the moment I would feel that, I'd get a call. I'd be headhunted from somewhere else and move jobs. So with EMG as well, they're all about the work that they do, that they, they, they're lit up by. But it's a little bit different because with an MG, you kind of after, you know, by the time you sort of get to 30, maybe even 40, you look back and all of these decisions that you've made to do the different things in your life um, where you've probably criticised yourself, you look back and you can see the thread. You can see the thread how all of these things actually come together. And what the manifesting generators are here to do is to discover newer, faster ways to achieve things. Um, and what they do is they literally, they're like alchemists. They're like, I'm going to take a piece of this. I'm going to take a piece of that. And I'm going to put it all together because this works better than the old way. Mm -hmm. So the MGs tend to have, they, they also have that, that strategy from the, the manifesto that they are here to inform and they need to be informed. It's the same for manifestors. So declaring the direction of their energy and both MGs and manifestors, this can feel really uncomfortable to inform because most of them are like, I'm not telling anyone what I'm doing because people get in my way and they stop me. And it's actually the opposite. Um, when we build the muscle of informing, and I have two sons that are MGs as well, so they need to be informed. And if they're not informed, like, our entire house goes into craziness because the MGs have this massive, big energy. 
again, when, when an MG walks into the room, you know they've walked into the room. And oftentimes, especially women, they've noticed as kids that they have this, um, this impact when they walk into a room. I mean, I know for me it was the same. Um, and they get so overwhelmed by it that they shut it down and they spend their, you know, so much of their life trying to shut their, their big energy down um, because they're too much or, um, you know, they, they need to settle down or they need to concentrate and focus on one thing. And the MG is like, oh, my God, I can't do any of those things. So I'm just going to put a lid on it. Um, so they also need to be in response. So an MG, um, when, they, when they get something to respond to, then it's like, almost similar to a manifestor's energy. They're like, go, it's, they're done, it's away, um, mm-hmm. a very quick energy. But the MG is that, yeah, that non-linear being that is really here to be different. Okay, I have to follow up question coming from the manifestor perspective. Um, do you feel like manifesting generators have that more of a, not wandering, but explorative, exploratory tendency? And then when they land, they're in on it. Whereas manifestors, do they always feel connected to, do they tend to always know their purpose? Is that one of the oh, differences here? Because I'm just thinking too of people, um, you know, even family members that I know, we just, we do life different. And, you know, a lot of people that I know, we they need to try A, B, C, and D before they land on E, whereas some people just know, okay, this is what I think I need. So yeah. is that a key difference that I'm picking up on here? Well, I would say as a generalization, yes. Okay. It's going to, there's going to be things within the design, like a line three is all about adventure, experimentation, mm-hmm. trying lots of things. Um, if you've got a defined G center, you're going to feel, which you do, you, you're going to feel like you're on purpose, you know where you're going. Um, but yes, so the, the manifesto, the way the manifesto works, all the other types, we're all in response in some way, whereas the manifesto is in initiation because source, God, universe, source, whatever you call it, that quantum energy that moves through all of us um, basically moves directly through the manifesto in a creative urge. And it's like once the manifesto feels that creative urge, they're on it. Whereas the rest of us are kind of waiting for something in our external reality for, to respond to or um, that's inviting us in or whatever it is. So it's a, it is definitely a different energy. So this is the gift of the manifesto is when they can trust that creative flow, they are that, that kind of unstoppable force. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So we did manifestors, gener- generators, manifesting generators. What is the next type? Okay. So the next one is the projector. And the projector is um, they're here to be a guide. Okay, they're non-sacral beings similar to uh, the manifesto. And what that means is they're, again, not designed to work a nine-to-five job. They're not here to to hustle. Um, However, with a projector, they are here to be seen and recognised. And what can happen is these people tend to work their butts off um, and they will end up in burnout because they're just not designed to work that hard. But they have such a strong desire to be seen and recognised for their talents, for their um, for, for what they do, for who they are, um, because they need to be seen and recognised to receive their strategy. And their strategy is a, an invitation. And the invitation says, look, I see that you have wisdom that lies inside of you. Now, because we live in a, in a hustle, initiate, you know, take massive action um, world, the projectors do this and then they find themselves not getting invitations, not being seen, not being recognised. And that ends up, you know, being, they end up being really bitter about it because they're literally here. They've got all this wisdom inside of them. They have this ability to um, see energy in a way that a lot of the other types can't see. They have this ability to see how people are using their energy and and like they want to be 
you know, do, do less of that, do more of this. Um, have you noticed that you're, this is getting in your way? But unless we invite that in, then it can feel very isolating for them. So if you're a projector, just know that you're here on the planet to aid success. You're here to guide success, whether it's yours, but more specifically for others. But it's this, this journey of all people need to work on their self-worth. This is the primary thing we all need to work on. However, for projectors, it's so, so important because if you can't recognise your value, if you can't see the wisdom that lies within, then no one else can at all. So if you have a projector in your life, please invite them in. And it sounds crazy. And I remember my mentor when I was first studying because I'm married to a projector. She would say, like, invite him to the dinner table. And I'd be like, no. He can just <laughs> come to now. the Yeah, it's, it's freaking dinner. He can come <laughs> to the table, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I would just be like, okay, well, I'll just experiment with it. And now I see it so plain as days. Like they literally need to be recognised on the wisdom that they're holding because when they're recognised, they've just become these, these leaders, this new type of leader where instead of going follow me and take my actions, they say if you tweak this and nuance that and switch this, then everything's going to shift. So like for me, for the projectors in my life, when they give me, um, you know, an insight or some advice, even though sometimes my ego might be like, mm, really, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a go because the, tr- the, the, the fact is that they're probably going to have some wisdom that maybe I'm not seeing. The, the challenge for being um, a projector is that oftentimes they don't see themselves as well as they see the other. So it's super important to make sure that they have their own support team and they have the opportunity to talk out what's going on in their life and and focus on their own journey as much as they're going to want to focus on other people's journey. But a famous um, uh, projector that is so well seen is like Barack Obama. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And, you know, I look at him and I think immediately confidence, self-assuredness, knowledge, you know, power, commanding of a room. And it's interesting um, to know what, you know, someone like that might be driven by. Yeah. And think about like his energy compared to, um, you know, some of the other presidents that you guys have had. And I think predominantly your other presidents have been manifestors or manifesting generators. And the difference is like that energy of, you know, running to the front and leading from the front and being opinionated and saying these things, whereas he's always had that energy where he kind of sits back and listens. Mm -hmm. Um, But when he speaks, it lands. And that's really what the generator is all about. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, the projector is projector. All and you know what? It gives someone who who is that type that incentive to to go on that path of self-discovery and to find that confidence because yeah. um that is the best confidence of all is like being proud of who you are and not needing that exactly. outside. Exactly. Wow. That's and how what's the percentage of the population that's a projector? Yeah, I think they're around 14%. So they're okay. not, there's not a lot of them either. Um Interesting. Okay. yeah. And what is the five? Are there five types total, right? There is, there is. So the last type is a reflector, and reflectors. Um, it's funny in the human design world, they often get called unicorns. And all the reflectors I've spoken to, they're like, "Oh my god, I wish people would stop saying that." <laughs> um, so oh, a reflect- not a bad thing to be called, to be honest. I know, I know, but there is this this piece where <clears throat> being a reflector, the the biggest challenge is that they literally they morph and change. They are so sensitive to energy. 
that they, when they walk into a room, they can literally know, well, that person needs to apologise to that person and that person's looking, you know, that person wants to pick up that person and that person's got a grudge about something and they can literally feel all the energy wherever they are. They're constantly reflecting back the energy of the environment, the energy of people. You know, even as a coach, and I'm, I'm running one of my masterminds at the moment and I've got two reflectors in the group and we were talking about coaching reflectors. And I'm like, well, one of the really big things you've got to be conscious of is that when you're working with a reflector, you're seeing yourself. So you have to be, as a coach, you have to be very careful because you've got to ask lots of questions and make sure that that what you think you're seeing is actually what you're seeing because their role on planet Earth is to reflect back where a certain community is at. So oftentimes what you're going to do is you're going to find reflectors um, you know, within a community and how healthy that community is will be how healthy your reflector is, whether that's mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, and reflectors just have this, this ability to see energy in a way that, that a lot of the other types, well, all the other types just don't see it. It's almost, yeah, yeah it ha almost has this magical sense about it. But it, what it is is they just have this real sensitivity to being able to read other people's auras and what's coming in and out of other people's auras. Um, and they're just this massive indicator to all of us where that group or where that part of society is at. Because yeah. So how does a how does a ref, uh, a reflector then find their own sense of self and their own identity and nurture themselves? Because as someone who, while not a reflector, is very sensitive to energy, I find it to be very difficult sometimes to walk into con uh, like a conf conflict in, like a conflicted area, like whether it's a party where like where like you said, there's people that are kind of one group here and one group there. Talk to the reflectors about self care and about grounding themselves because it seems mm -hmm. exhausting to constantly be sensitive to energy. Yeah, yeah, this is such a great question. And this is the thing that I think even the human design world really wrestle with because oftentimes we'll say like, well, they won't have one purpose or they won't have one thing and, and you know, they don't know, don't ask reflectors who they are. And my line of thinking and my experience with working with so many now is like that's not true at all. But it's to understand that they have this, this level of fluidity that they must and their strategy is to to sort of make decisions over time and they to make time make decisions over that we talk about the moon cycle okay um, because it's all about finding the consistency for reflectors so they make decisions the biggest thing is to slow down if they really want to connect into who they are and why they're here slow down take that 28 days to to make any big decisions um, trust yourself that you can reteach people how to treat you, that you can take your time and say, I'll come back to you. Um, I'm just going to feel it out. Because the other thing that's so, so important for reflectors is how do the people around you make you feel? How do the environments that you're in make you feel? Because they are giving you direct feedback of what is aligned for you and what is true for you and what isn't. A reflector in relationship, they are going to be so connected to that relationship because it's going to give them the stability and the consistency that they long for so it's so important that they have great boundaries that they um, know what feels good and what doesn't feel good that they learn to articulate their needs um, all of those things because they're really going to blend into the other if they don't read their own energy if they're not honest about what feels good and what doesn't feel good 
And ultimately, like all reflectors, like all people, they have a purpose. And in the, in the nuances of their chart, they find more consistency, whether it's in their profile, whether it's in their incarnation cross. And then they start to understand that, okay, I'm fluid and I'm, you know, I'll change whatever room I'm in or whoever I'm speaking to, sure. But there is this beautiful theme, this underlying theme that sits within me and that's what they connect to as opposed to, you know, turning up as the same person every day. They connect to that real theme that lies, lies within them. Who's a well-known reflector? Um, Sandra Bullock is a well-known reflector. Makes for a good actress, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's quite interesting because there is, for me, I think about um, a lot of the reflectors I know, um, it's just they are so different, so different from one to the other. And then you think about Sandra Bullock and all the different roles she's played and there, there isn't a maybe early on when she was doing a lot of the rom-com stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's her type. But if you think about her whole career, there isn't a type. There wasn't a role that was more suited to her, if you like. So, um, yeah, yeah, a reflector is that, that kind of that beautiful fluid energy. And when you say they're the smallest group of human design types, what's the percentage of reflectors out there? One percent. One percent of the global population. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so awesome. generators and manifesting generators make up just over 70% of the population. We're wow. the biggest group. Yeah. You know, I'm listening to you talk and I feel like the next thing I want to do is get charts for my, all of my children <laughs> so yeah. I know how to like... And my husband to like, you know, I feel like this would be a really valuable tool in understanding how to interact with those closest to you. Oh my God. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. And like in my life, we, because of the, I grew up in a family, I'm an only child. Both my parents worked. I was, I just wanted my mom to be home with me and she just wasn't. Um, And so I had this, this conditioning within me that I wanted to be home with my kids so I did that thing and I, I stayed home with the kids and um, uh, my husband was out doing a big corporate job and, and all of those things. And honestly, I was freaking miserable, like miserable. And um, seven years ago when, you know, it was kind of a long story, human design came to me a few times and then finally um, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Camino de Santiago. It's a, it's a walk, it's a pilgrimage through the south of France and uh, along the top of Spain and you walk this, this pilgrimage to answer the big questions. And my big question was, what is my purpose? And um, basically, I just kept getting smacked in the face by human design. It's like, you need to do this thing. And I was a little bit scared because I was very identified with my intellect, with um, science, with knowledge, you know, being a behavioural coach, um, psychology, that sort of thing. But when I started to use it with my C-level clients, with all the corporate people, wow, the transformation was crazy. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I had gone from working part-time, sort of doing all of these bits and pieces, and I was like, well, if I'm all in with this human de- design experiment, my husband got an opportunity to take a retrenchment package, and I was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, I'll replace your massive income, and um, I will do. I will work. And what happened was, of course, the manifesting generator, the sacral, it's all lit up and literally took my tiny little, very successful but part-time business um, and replaced his huge corporate income in 12 months because I was following my design. And as a projector, he now does, um, you know, like trading. Um, he kind of is with the kids predominantly more than I am. But, I mean, our kids are 15 and 11 now, so they're, they're much bigger. Um 
And we really flipped our entire life. And, and one of the things that I thought was so beautiful is like there would be so many times I just wouldn't listen to him because mm-hmm. as an MG, I'd be on my track and I'd be like, I'm off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now if he says something and it's cute because he'll be like, I've just got some projector wisdom. Can I share? So he'll, he'll really like almost elicit the invitation. I'll be like, yeah, sure. Um, and, and even as parents, we've got two MGs. So we know, we know that we need to ask them yes, no questions. You know, if you're a manifester or a projector or a reflector, you need open-ended questions. You know, that's what your kids need. And we also know that our kids need lots of physical exercise, but as a manifester or a projector or a reflector, you don't, you know? So it's when you understand the nuances of your family, even just at the highest level, it can completely change the dynamics of our family. I mean, we went from a very conditioned life to like our dream life and we spent a year last year traveling around Australia in a caravan as a family you know my business tripled so I was working at the same time but we got to see all of Australia and travel and the the kids got to you know homeschool and all those sort of things so that's the beauty of human design especially not only for you not only for the work that you do but that it can really try change the dynamics of a family I'm going to be emailing you after that. Yeah, yeah let's do it. My husband's profile because yeah. I'm like, you know, I want to I want to unlock some secrets. Okay, can we take a quick peek at my chart? I know we covered a little bit of the manifesto stuff and guys, we're going to be insular for a moment, so excuse me if sorry about that. Um so excuse us if this is a little like inside baseball for a minute, but I'm curious to see the rest of the chart and kind of yeah. dig in. So Rach, can we pop that up? Okay. So when we work with you, Emma, this is kind of what we get. Um, it's, if you guys are listening on the podcast, it's like, you know, a picture of a, a head through a torso and all of these like different connecting um, areas and lines and circles. So this is super complicated for anyone who doesn't know human design to interpret. So tell us what we're seeing on this chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is like the thing with human design, it is super complicated. Um, and that for me, again, it's a bit of a uh, frustration because it doesn't need to be com- complicated. So if you're new to human design, please head over, especially to my Instagram, which is the human design coach, because we actually run a whole series. It's called human design made simple. Okay. So it'll take all of the complicated jargon out of it for you. So with the chart that you're looking at, um, if you want to pop just the actual, what we call the body graph, perfect. Um, what we're looking at is literally how your energy is designed. So where that's col- everything that's colored in for you, that's who you feel you are, okay? So these are all the areas that you want to build trust in yourself. So in your thinking, in your voice, in your direction, in your willpower, and in your instinct. These are all areas that you can really trust within you and you need to build that trust within you to, to rely on it. And I'll elaborate on that a little bit in a minute. Then all the white centers, this is where you're taking in everyone else's energy. And you spoke earlier about it can be really exhausting. And for you, it is really exhausting because you've got the sacral, which is undefined, which means, and the sacral is the most powerful um, motor in the body, okay? So sacral beings are the generators and manifesting generators. So what happens is that every time you come into aura with a generator or a manifesting generator, you are taking in and amplifying that energy. So it can almost be quite confusing for you because you're kind of like um, a simple example might be you're all sitting in the in the lounge room with your, your husband and the kids and you're deciding what to have for dinner. And before you came into the lounge room, you were like, I just wanted chicken and salad. Uh, but now I'm like, I want pizza. I want a 
like noodles. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I can't make a decision. And that's because the sacral is influencing your energy. But it's also like tiring you out because it's that work energy. So wherever there's a white center, you've got to understand that you're, you're amplifying and reflecting back that energy. You've also got the solar plexus undefined, which is the emotional center. And that I'm is one crazy, that can, Emma, just be straight with me. <laughs> you're not the crazy one. That's, oh, that's the thing to understand, okay? Like emotional beings, people who have them colored in, I'm an emotional being. Um, we ride a mechanical emotional wave. So from a, this was a real breakthrough because I'm a behavioral coach. You know, I'd always been teaching like you have a thought, a thought creates an emotion, emotion creates a mood, so on and so forth. Um, and the truth for an emotional being is that that's just not the case. It's there all the time. So if you have an emotional being in your house, you're amplifying that emotion and reflecting it back. You on your own, you're designed to be not overly emotional. Like you have an emotion, you feel it, it's gone, done and dusted. But if you have an emotional being in your family, you amplify it. So as a kid, oftentimes non-emotional beings are accused by their family of being the emotional one and actually they're just amplifying everyone else's emotion. That's interesting. Now I have to talk through and get the kids ones done too because as a parent, you know, there are such different experiences, whether you're interacting with or disciplining or teaching things to every child. And I always joke that you have to show up to an extent, as a different version of yourself with each child, because there are certain things that trigger one or that encourage another that you just have to be aware of. And so hearing you say that, and like when we're all living under the same roof, is just such an inspiration for me to understand them more, because it could yeah. probably change the way I the way I parent as well. You're saying yeah. this, and I'm, on, I'm picturing all the kids in my head, and okay, this one I can do this with, and I can't do that with. And it's just, exactly. we're all so complicated. So this is exactly. And that's, that's a so beautifully put because that's the truth, you know, like when we look at, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I had kids, I read all the freaking books, you know, I'm reading the books, I'm learning the things and one thing would, would work with one and, and it wouldn't work mm-hmm. with the other. Um, and you're absolutely spot on. And this is the beauty of human design is that we can understand them down to a very nuanced way. You know, I've got a 15 year old at the moment who Um, He's starting to talk about like what he wants to do later on Mm -hmm. and he's a manifesting generator. So I can have a conversation with him and say, well, you're never going to do one thing forever. All you've got to do is is follow that that cycle. Like what do you want to do? And he's like, I don't know, mum, I just want to work with people. And he and his profile is a line four, which is all about the people. I'm like, brilliant. So you need to follow that. Um, Whereas my other one, he's a line two. And one of the challenges with that is because he, the line two is the gifted child. They want to do everything their own way. Um, And as a parent, that can be challenging because you're like, but you have to learn these lessons. And the truth is he has to learn them his own way, like really needs to learn them his own way. So it's beautiful to understand all of the nuances of your family. Um, But I want to get back to your chart. Can we get back to your chart? Yeah, give me some some takeaways too, because like I said, the biggest takeaway I have found as a manifester is to not take that feeling personally, um, you know, that like kind of frictious energy. So I I already have that, but give me some other big takeaways based on what we're seeing here. Yeah. There's some really cool stuff that I want to share. So you've got a three, five profile. So the profile is kind of like our, how it's our theme. Um, and the three, five is all about, so you're an experiential learner. So what's going to happen is people might say, what do you want to do? What do you like? Who are you? And until you've had an experience, you're going to be like, mm, don't know, not really sure. Mm-hmm. But once you have an experience of something, 
then um, everything kind of makes sense to you. The line three as well is all about um, trial and error. It's all about experimentation. So these are people who um, oftentimes in childhood, they can be really afraid um, to, to fail because failure isn't okay in, in kind of in our, um, in our world, if you like. But the three five is here to, to make mistakes because what you learn in those mistakes are the things that skyrocket you forward, that, that mm-hmm. catapult you forward. So the line three is very experimental, experiential um, and it's really personable because people will tend to um, feel like you've walked in their shoes, like you get them. Um, and because you've got the five as well, which is the, the line five is like the leader, the healer, um, they also have this a projection field. So when you talk about that feeling that you get, that, that, that grittiness or that feeling like sometimes things are just not gelling, it can also be amplified in that line five because it's got a, a line five has a, um, a projection field. Like we all, as human beings, we all project our stuff onto others. We see the world as we are, not as it is, right? Yeah. But with the line five, it's amplified. Um, and people, what happens is that you become a mirror for other people's wounds. So they see their wound in you. So as a line five, you've got to be really careful not to take other people's behavior personally. I mean, we all need to not take people's behavior personally, but a line five, it's so much more important. This has been, this is like revelatory. This has been one of my biggest challenges as an adult is to understand why, is to understand when my wounds are showing up in my interactions with people and leading with, like you said, my view of the world and not understanding and like being clouded by my own experience. And it really shuts me down sometimes because I, 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 I lead with that. Like, Oh, well, you know, I'm looking at the world, as you said, as I am rather than as maybe what they want to show me. And it's a really big fault of mine because it, it really shuts down my energy to accepting people sometimes as, as who they're trying to tell me they are. Does that make sense? hundred percent, a hundred percent. And the thing that, that you have to understand is that your energy, you walk through the world and as you walk in and out of aura with people, they can feel that you're the hero, you're the savior, you're the one that can solve their problem. And then what happens is that they just project their stuff onto you and they say, you know, like for me in my twenties, I worked in the advertising industry. And I tell you like this happened like three or four times where I would be at a party Someone in my office had drunk too much. They would come up to me, put their arm around me, and they would say, oh, my God, I thought you were such a (laughs) B-I-P-C-H. But it turns out you're really nice. And I'm like, oh, my God, like what's going on inside of me? Because I'm the nicest person on the planet, you know, like I am not that person. But what was happening was they were projecting onto me um, that that was who they were, you know, they were judging themselves for that. And they saw it in me. And that's what the line five, what, what happens with the line five. So it's so important that you, you don't take other people's behavior personally. And it's very important you understand you have boundaries, okay? So some of those people will be your people that you are going to help, that you are going to heal. Um, but some of those people, it's really important that you just say, you know, I'm not your manifester. I'm not that person for you because... For you, um, you have uh, splenic authority. So if your spleen says that this is my person, how's your spleen going to tell you? You're going to see something, hear something, know something, feel something. 
um, you'll get there's something going to go on inside of you intuitively that you know this person's for me or this person isn't for me and you have to trust it if it's not for you like they're just they're just not your person and you have to yeah. give yourself full permission to walk away and that can be I've really tried, hard I've to tried to square peg and round hole a lot of people in yeah. my life and it just it, yeah. it it is the lesson I keep learning like just don't we're just, yeah. we're just not each other's people and that's okay. Exactly. And it is 100% okay. And the line five, like the biggest thing for you is that you have to do your healing first because we live in a, a quantum reality, which means that, um, you know, all of those people that, that saw that thing in me, there was something. I had the puzzle piece that could call that in. And my puzzle piece was that, you know, I didn't fit in. I was afraid that people wouldn't like me. Um, so I had the puzzle piece for them to project their stuff onto me. So a, live, a line five the fundamental thing is heal yourself first. Mm. And then, you know, like if people project things onto me today, I see nothing but compassion. You know, the only person that still triggers me in that way is my mother. Um, but <laughs> the thankless but, work of a mother, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. At the end of the day, we're still, I know, I call my, even exactly. to this day, I'm almost 41. I'll call her and I'll be like, I'm having a bad day. I just need to like yell at someone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, the one other thing I really want to get to with your chart is um, that we have this thing that we call the incarnation cross. That incarnation cross is made up of kind of like the most prominent energies within our, our design. Um, and you've got the, the cross of the vessel of love. And um, I always say this and I should just stop with a caveat because I, I say like, well, I don't really want to have favorites when it comes to the incarnation cross, but if I did, this is it. <laughs> Because you're literally a person that's on the planet who, that is here to help people love themselves. You know, like the, the, the um, vessel of love is all about learning to love, trust and accept yourself. It's made up of these energies that, you know, is like the love of humanity, the love of self, the, the love of the body, the love of spirit. Um, and these people, um, I actually had another, I'm working with a wealth coach at the moment. She's incredible. And she said, wow, your energy, it's just, it's amazing. And I'm like, thank you, but it's you because I have a wide open G center and I reflect back this energy to people and the vessels of love, like you can't help, but just want to be in their aura. You guys just feel so great to be in aura with. And the thing about being a vessel of love, one of my dear friends has a kid, a, a daughter who is a vessel of love is that there's this massive journey that you guys have to go through to really love yourselves, to really accept who you are, your differences, your uniquenesses, your body, um, your, your soul, your spirit. You, you have this, this really big journey to go through. But ultimately, you are here to help the rest of us fall in love with ourselves. So, so yeah, and as a manifester, you think of it this way, like you're really here to initiate people into action um, and you've got a line five in your design earth, which is, means that your purpose is here to use your voice. So you're exactly where you need to be on purpose, using your voice to help people love themselves, love, trust and accept themselves in their imperfections. So yeah, love it. That is so powerful. It, just before we wrap and, and, and get into all of the ways to work with you, Emma, can you give me just a parting piece of advice? I know that was a lot. And for anyone who's watching, guys, you'll be able to see. You can check it out on YouTube or on Facebook, which is just facebook.com slash we got to talk. You can see the way these charts are oriented, but it's a lot of graphics and a lot of pictures. So um, give me just a, one big takeaway before we wrap and before we get into how people can connect with you. Yeah, look... The thing I would say is that if you feel called to go and check out your human design, go do it because 
One thing that we do way too much is we go external to the guru first. We know that something inside of us feels off when we don't have the results that we want. Um, maybe you're like me. I was like depressed and, you know, doing panic, like I was living in a panic attack. The thing is, is that it, the answers aren't out there. The answers are inside of you and they're much simpler than you would, you know, than you know. So human design is that the thing, in, in my opinion, that, gives you the power to be the guru. You are the guru and your human design through the simplest understanding of your strategy and authority will guide you to all the answers that you need, that it can really transform your life. And don't give up because it's complicated. Come and check out our content. It's made simple. Um, literally, we've set up because especially when I started my journey, um, we were living paycheck to paycheck um, so we've set up everything that you can get onto my website, get your free chart. Then you literally go to my podcast, which is the human design podcast, go to the podcast that says start here and you can learn so much for free and it really will change your life. So don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let it complicate you. Don't let all that memes blow your mind and like, oh my God, I need to know all this stuff. You just don't listen to the podcast, follow the, the bouncing ball, as I often say, and it really will set you free. Yeah, I love it so much. Um, it, it's great too that you break this down into sort of actionable advice because it can feel overwhelming. So I'm grateful. I checked out your site and the way everything is set up is just, it's very user-friendly guys. So check out emmadunwoody.com. That's E-M-M-A-D-U-N-W-O-O-D-Y.com. And Emma, just before we let you go, um, and please also mention your social channels before we go, but um, you do also work with people say in... On, and I don't want to call you like a business coach, but advise people for their professional lives as well as their personal lives. So just tell us very briefly what it looks like to work with you one-on-one -on -one and to get that more personalized experience. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So my background's actually corporate. So I've worked with careers and, you know, C-level um, executives for, for many years. And ultimately I work with people to reconnect to their purpose. You know, like why are you here on planet earth? I often joke like, I'm really successful in business, I'm really successful with money and I'm really successful as a podcaster. But oftentimes I don't teach them because I do it differently to everyone else. When you work with me, I teach you how to do everything differently, the way you're designed to do it, as opposed to sticking to these rules that, that aren't actually getting us to where we want to go. So you can work with me one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I have a membership program, which is so powerful, where we're living experiences of human design, not just the knowledge, and it teaches you everything you need to know to run your experiment. And also so many people within that community are also coaches themselves. So they're integrating human design into their business. Um, and you can work with me with an unpack. Oftentimes people will come to me and an unpack isn't like a reading. I'm not just going to sit there and tell you this, 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 this is in your chart. You're going to come to me and say, well, I'm doing a job I don't love um, or I've just got a divorce or um, I'm having trouble with my kids or whatever the challenge is, can you help me through my human design? And I will actually, you know, empower you to know what's true for you and give you the way that you can make decisions for you and be your own guru. So, yeah, there's a number of ways you can work with me. Awesome. And your Instagram handle, tell us that really quickly as well. It is the the human design coach, If you even if you just um, – and just watch out for the – the scammers. It's yeah, the human designs coach. Yes. I, I mean, all the time, the people that I interview, I come across all of these fake profiles and I report them every time because I'm like, uh, it drives me oh, crazy. It's the so worst. Frustrating. So um, frustrating. Yeah. Um, Emma, you have been an amazing, amazing resource and inspiration everyone. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today.
Oh, you're so welcome. I've loved every second of it. This is amazing. And guys, thank you for either watching and or listening as always. Ratings and reviews are appreciated so much. That helps these shows to get out to people who might find them useful, interesting, informative. Um, and that is by going to Apple Podcasts, tap the five-star rating, and leave your review. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week on We Gotta Talk.